Gene got out of bed and started gathering up clothes. He slipped into his pants and grabbed his faded LAPD sweatshirt. He snapped up his ankle gun, hesitated for a moment, then pulled it out, chambered it, and strapped it on. He ran out of his bedroom toward the garage without even looking for his shoes. He was already behind the wheel when he realized he had forgotten that Chute Sandoval was asleep in the other bedroom. He wasn't used to having fifteen-year-old house guests. He knew he shouldn't leave Chooch alone. The garage door was going up as he backed out his black Acura. Grabbing for his cell phone, he dialed a number from memory. He streaked down the back alley away from his Venice, California canal house, as cold beach air slipstreamed past the side window onto his face. Brian Longboard Kelly, his boned-out next-door neighbor, picked up the phone. "'Whoever this is, fuck you,' was the way he came on the line. "'Sorry, Brian, it's Shane. I got called out and Chooch is still asleep in the guest bedroom.' "'Chooch? Who the hell?' The kid I told you I was taking for the month. Sandy's kid. He came yesterday. Oh, man. Look, Brian, just go over and sleep on my couch. The key's in the pot by the back door. Good place, dick brain. Who would ever think to look there? Just do it, will ya? I'll owe ya. Fucking A. Longboard slammed the phone down in Shane's ear. Shane was now at Washington Boulevard. He hung a left and headed the short distance to the Moeller house. When they'd still been partners... He'd made this trip at least once a day to pick up Ray, then across Washington to South Venice Boulevard, through Gangbang Circle, where, once it got dark, the V-13s and Shoreside Crips staged their useless, life-ending street actions, occasionally killing or wounding a tourist from Minnesota by mistake. He shot across Abbott Kenny Boulevard and turned right onto California, finally coming to Shell Avenue. All the way there, he wondered why Barbara would call him. Why not dial 911? Of course, the answer was sort of obvious after he thought about it. Even though she was scared spitless, she still didn't want another domestic violence beef in Ray's LAPD internal affairs jacket. He was a thirty-year veteran with a big pension, which another DV complaint would jeopardize. That pension was an asset that was half hers. Still, Shane Scully was the last guy Ray Moeller would want to see coming through his door, quoting departmental spousal abuse regulations at 2 a.m., So why Shane? Why not Ray's current partner? He guessed he knew that answer, too. She called him because she thought she could control him, use him for protection, then keep him from talking. Also, he was handy, only five miles away. Just like before, he had turned up as the double zero on her slow-turning roulette wheel. When he got to Ray's small, wood-sided house, he pulled into the driveway behind Ray's car and jumped out. The hood was warm on the dark blue Cadillac brome. The lights were on in the house. Then he heard muffled screaming. Shit, I hate this, he mumbled softly, feeling the cold grass on his bare feet. Then he moved toward the house. He tried the front door and, to his surprise, found it was open. Reluctantly, he stepped into his ex-partner's living room. Ray's house always seemed delicate and over-decorated. Too much French fleur-de-lis upholstery, too many knick-knacks and hanging lamps. It was Barbara's doing, and definitely didn't seem like the lair of a street monster like Ray Moeller. Ray should live in a cave, cooking over an open fire, throwing the gnawed bones over his shoulder. Shane could hear Barbara's screams coming from the back of the house, so he moved in that direction. He came through the bedroom door just in time to see Ray Moeller hit his slender blonde wife in the solar plexus with the butt end of his black metal street baton. Then, as she doubled over, he expertly swung the nightstick sideways, catching her in the side of the head, with a two-from-the-ring combat move. 
It was a baton-fighting tactic taught to every recruit at the police academy. Shane stood frozen as Barbara, her head bleeding badly, slumped to the floor, almost unconscious. "'Ray!' Shane's voice, a raspy whisper, cut the temporary silence like a sickle slashing dry wheat. "'What's the story here, buddy?' Ray Muller swung around. He was at least six-four and weighed over two-forty, with huge shoulders and long arms. He had bristly blonde hair and a corded, muscled neck. Adding to these Bluto-esque dimensions was a huge, jutting jaw and almost total lack of a forehead. "'Get the fuck out of here, Skelly!' "'We don't need the Boy Scouts,' Moeller growled, his dilated pupils round points of focused hatred. Shane had seen that look in the street many times before, and had come to fear it. "'Let's just back off, slow down, and give it a rest, Ray.' Shane was moving slowly toward him, not wanting any part of the fury and craziness he saw in his ex-partner but feeling compelled to get close enough to protect Barbara if he swung on her again.